Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Making It to the Mic. I'm your host, Stephanie Pam Roberts, and today I'll be chatting with Christopher Zippy Kaufman. Zippy is a voice actor who also does stand-up comedy and improv, and he was so much fun to talk to. We talk about everything from self-direction to self-doubt and so much more, so let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Zippy Kaufman. Hello, Zippy, and welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I am so good. I have I have dessert in the fridge. I actually uh, have homemade chocolate-dipped Oreos waiting to go. Excellent. I ate dessert before we got on because we are in two different time zones, and if I eat dessert after we finish, it is too late and I won't sleep. What'd you have? I had ice cream. <laughs> what kind? I'm interviewing you. It's my podcast now. Um, I had... My favorite, which is uh, cookies and cream. Mm. And it is a wild blizzard outside. So I thought it was funny to eat ice cream while there's literally almost 14 inches of snow in my yard. But let's go back to the more important questions. What brand of cookies and cream? Oh, Briars. Mm-hmm. I'm a Hagen dazs guy myself. Okay, well, should we shift back to voiceover? I could talk about dessert and ice cream all day. <laughs> I was going to say, I guess. I mean, I thought we were going to do an hour on diners, drive-ins, and dives, but okay, VO it is. Okay. So tell us, how did you make it to the mic? What was your journey like, and what did you do before you became a voice actor? Well, I guess you could say my journey began at kind of sort of a young age. Um, I've always been interested in VO and what VO is. Um always been interested in voice acting. But I grew up as a theater actor. I uh, went to theater school, have a degree in theater, all that kind of, all that good stuff. And my interest in VO was completely shattered when, as a college senior, the head of a major VO agency came and spoke to our class. And I'm not going to say who it is because this person still is the head of a major agency. And I will meet this person and I will thank them for smashing my dreams at such a young age. But um, the person that came in and he spoke to our class, and this was way back 2000-ish, something like that, 2003, four, five, something like that, long time ago. And they brought demos of prospective talent on CDs. Naturally. Naturally. He played the CDs and he'd play like 10 seconds of a CD, stop it, and just destroy this poor person's dreams Oh no! <laughs> right in front of us and just throw the CD away. <gasps> and he did that with like three or four people. And these were legit um, people who had submitted to his agency and he had not listened to these, these demos. And I watched him do that and I was like, oh no, <laughs> this is not for me, uh-uh, not for your boy. So I um, went the regular, quote unquote, regular actor route. I guess, after getting my theater degree in college. And years down the line, I got into... This is a long story, by the way. That's okay. Just so you know. All right, buckle up. We're in. Um, (laughs) Years down the line, my wife saw a Groupon for improv training. Actually, no, it wasn't improv training. It was a stand-up comedy course. That's what it was. It was a stand-up comedy course. Myself and my best friend were like, hey, you want to do this? We're like, yeah, let's do it. So we both bought this group on and joined this comedy theater in L.A. called Westside Comedy Theater. Shout out, Santa Monica, California. Big ups. 
And uh, we got training in stand-up comedy, started doing stand-up comedy, did that for a bit, and I just got more and more um, connected to the theater. And then eventually would go on and do improv training with them and sketch comedy training with them. And just for a couple of years, was just performing regularly at the theater. Then one day, one of the owners of the theater emails a couple of us on like a Saturday. And he's like, hey, I know all you guys because I am a huge, massive professional wrestling fan. He's like, hey, I know you guys are wrestling fans. I'm actually uh, doing improv stuff with wrestlers right now. And uh, one of the creative heads at WWE was like, yeah, I'm looking for new writers. So if you guys are interested, let me know. I jump on this opportunity and meet with uh, one of the creative heads at the time. And then maybe a four or five month process later, I and my wife, we are moving, packing up, having never left Los Angeles, moving all the way to Stamford, Connecticut, because I now have my dream job, which is working for WWE, which is located in Stamford, Connecticut. Whoa. From one ocean to the other, I get my dream job. It doesn't last very long. Um, one day I get laid off. Oh no. So now I am on the other side of the country, just my wife and I, and I have no idea what I'm going to do. No clue what I'm going to do. I know very few people. I know very few things. I'm just like, what am I doing with my life? And my wife knows that I've always been interested in voiceover. And she's like, hey, you have severance and you have nothing to do. So she actually pushed me into exploring VO now, this must have been, what, 12 years after that uh, VO head dashed my dreams. And so I Google, you know, uh, voiceover training and attend a small workshop, come home, and I'm like, yep, this is it. This mm. is for me. Six months of training later, get a VO demo, um, get that first booth, dive in head first, start submitting, join a pay-to-play. And that was in, I think, 2014. So going on seven years now. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. What a funny roundabout way to get back to something that you always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All I had to do was get and lose my dream job. But it's funny the way that that works. I had a similar, it wasn't my dream job, but I had a similar experience where I took a real job, like a real nine to five job, because I thought I should probably do that. And I should like I should, quote unquote, do that mm -hmm. and leave acting for a little while. And then I took a VO class, my first VO class right before I got that job. And then I sat at that desk every day and thought, this is horrible. I hate this. I don't want to be here. And then ended up getting um, like one of my very first voiceover jobs. And I had to lie and say like, oh, you just need a long lunch break today. I have a doctor's appointment <laughs> or whatever I said. And I went into the VO job and came back and was like, how do I get out of here? <laughs> and basically started plotting my my leaving because I just realized, nope, this is not this is not what I want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And voiceover was there calling like a little birdie. Yeah, no, I tell people I lost my dream job and fell into my dream career. Ooh. It's funny how it works like that. Ooh, I love that. Um, so what was your first voiceover booth like, the first booth that you built? 
Um, well, I went to Target and picked up one of those like little carrying things that you put laun- you could put like laundry in or put books in or something like that. I had that. It was a little box, and I took um, uh, not foam, but like that egg crate bedding stuff that mm-hmm. you would put under your mattress or whatever. I took that. I cut it up. I put it in the box. I bought a blue Yeti microphone. I stuck that in the middle of this little box. I stuck my head in that box. I hit record. I said three sentences. I listened back. I said, oh, no, this is not going to make me any money. I'm not going to get a single job off of this. So I did a deeper dive and converted um, our closet into a booth with a bunch of uh, acoustic blankets and just whenever it wasn't, as long as it wasn't raining, I was good to go. Mm. I'm so happy you didn't get too far with the box because I feel like people sometimes just, you know, you've put so much energy and thought and, you know, money and resources, even if it wasn't a ton of money or resources, you know, you you did the thing, you bought it and you made it. And I'm so glad that you didn't uh, didn't waste too much time in there. No, I, I, I knew that sound quality was a big deal. And I could just listen back and be like, oh, this is trash. This is such trash. <laughs> Stop messing around. Stop cutting corners. Let's, 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 do the, let's do the thing for real with this one. So once you got your demos made, did you submit to agents? Oh, yeah, 100%. Well, see, it's, it's 12 years later now. So now I'm like, you know, back then I was a little, little young, little scared young pup. Now I'm a, a, the, the big dog on campus. By that time, I had gone through... Like so, I already had uh, on-camera agents and gotten used to what it means to be a quote-unquote starving artist every day. To where, okay, it's not that bad to submit to an agent and get rejected. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. So once I had the demo, I was like, I am. Oh yeah, it's it's go time. It is go time. And so yeah, I submitted to a bunch of agents and. Got some good bites, got some not so good bites, but yeah, by that time I, I was I was good to go. The, he, twelve years before, stopped me from making what probably would have been a massive mistake because I just wasn't ready to put in the the time and the energy that it would really take to sustain a VO career. Hmm. And what do you think changed between then and? Was it just the life experience or you felt like you finally had actual time to invest? Um, It was definitely a combination of of the two. Yeah, for one, I had a couple of dollars from the severance. Right. And then for another, yeah, the the life experience. I I, uh, experienced, you know, time living on my own with my wife as an adult. College was just 20 minutes away from where I grew up. I had never left home before, before WWE, like... I was totally sheltered, and so getting that life experience was crucial in making the decision to become a business owner. Plus, I had, after that layoff, I had decided, I was like, I never want to be in a position to where I can get just with a snap of a finger laid off like that again. I never want to mm. experience that again. It, it, it sucked. It was terrible. I was like, no way, I cannot have this happen to me again. And so now you feel much freer, of course, because now you're running your own business. Well, absolutely, absolutely. The The day is what I, I make of it. How successful I am is, sure, you need to hire me and 
sure, I need to book an audition here and there, but honestly, the success of my business is based on what I put into it. And I, I, I dig that way more than the success of my business or the success of my job is based on what the manager thinks of me or how expendable or not expendable I am to X company. Yeah, it is really freeing. I came from the musical theater world as well. And something that I, I say often is I love that voiceover is independent in a way, like my day is what I make it is such a great way to put it. And in musical theater, I don't play piano. I can't mount a full production on my own. So I was always feeling like I was relying on somebody else to not not necessarily give me work, but even just collaborate on something. I couldn't just like make a musical alone. Mm-hmm. And with voiceover, once I found this career path and, and built a home studio, it was like, oh, wait a minute. I'm I'm in charge. I can do whatever <laughs> I want. I can make a fully realized voiceover audition alone. I can, you know, record a job alone. And that was really freeing. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's your favorite musical? Ooh, my favorite musical, like my all-time childhood favorite musical is The Secret Garden because it's the first Broadway show I ever saw. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But nowadays, you know, I do love, I do love a Hamilton. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. How about you? Um, I actually am late to the musical theater game. I'm a, I mean, I'm a theater kid from day one, but musical theater coming up was like, what is this, trash? Get this out of here. Stop singing. Act. <laughs> um, but then a couple of friends were in New York one day, and they hit me up, and they were like, hey, we're going to go see Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Uh, mm. you, should, you should try to rush it. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Man, that mess changed my life. It's <laughs> so great. Oh, it's so great. I think it's one of my favorite theatrical experiences, actually. So when you sent your demo to agents, did you focus on one market or did you diversify? I did do a little bit of that diversification. Um, I picked a couple of major-ish cities. I was just like, I want one here, I want one there, I want one there. And then when it came to New York, I just uh, looked for a couple who I thought I maybe had a shot with and was able to get some bites. And what genres did you kind of start out in? That's funny. Um, Before my demo was made, the people who produced it, they were like, oh, you should probably get a narration demo. And I was like, well, I don't want a narration demo. I want a commercial demo. Because to me, voiceover is commercial work. I know to some people it's animation. Some people it's video games. It's this, that. To me, VO is all about commercial. And we kind of went back and forth a little bit. But, I mean, it was my money. So it was my decision. So I went ahead and got a commercial demo made and submitted to commercial agents. Because that's, I don't want to say it's the dream, but a month and a half ago maybe was the first time in my career in my career, that I heard myself on television, like out in the wild. Ooh, that's good. And that's a big deal. And for me, it's that it's all about that. Like, it's all about, hey, picking up the phone. Hey, mom, here's my commercial. Here's where you can hear it. But what a great lesson that it took. Sometimes it takes a while for that to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you tell us what it is? Oh, yeah. Um, straight Talk Wireless. It's already aired and gone. I think uh, it's on the radio somewhere now. 
hearing your own voice is truly something special. Especially when you walk away and you're like, oh, that sounds really good because I hate the sound of my voice. And I'm not a fan of listening back to my work. I truly am not. So how do you do auditions? What's your what's your process like? Because I know for so many of us now, auditions are kind of self-directed, you know, leave you to your own devices. So what's your what are your tips? What's your process? I mean, grin and bear it when it comes to auditions. Uh, spend the five minutes on a good audition and the two hours on a, a bad one getting that good take to send in. But I mean, when it comes to like actual finished work, my wife will listen to everything. I will listen to 10% of it. That's funny. So I take it you have not ventured into like audiobooks or more long form projects? I have done one audiobook in my career. I will retire from voiceover having done one audiobook in my career. <laughs> it was not for me. It's like uh, working at a restaurant. Everybody should work at a restaurant at some point in their life so that they know what it's like. Everybody, every VO should do at least one audiobook, record it, edit it, master it, do all that work so that 90% of you will know you never want to do another audiobook. Because, <laughs> man... It is involved. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I have worked in a restaurant and I hated it. And I have not done an audiobook, believe it or not, because I just know that I'm not going to enjoy it. And so I haven't ventured down that road yet. I like working for five, 20, you know, five, 10, 20 minutes and being done. That's what I like. I don't, I do not get how someone can sit in front of a mic for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and record and then sit in front of a computer for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, and then master. I'm all about the short bites. I'm all about the quick hits. Yeah. Do you enjoy the directed session? I love directed sessions. Does it make you feel like actory again? It does. It does. And the other reason I love directed sessions is because I'm such a hard critic on myself. I'm such a bad critic on myself. So it's so great to be able to take off the director hat and just be an actor and just get feedback from the director and just work that collaborative process together and not have to do every single thing. I mean, I love love it when I get I do a lot of e-learning as well. It's funny. I don't do audiobooks, but I do e-learning. I don't know, go figure. I love getting those e-learning projects and sitting in here and knocking those out all by myself. But man, if we're doing a commercial session and I've got a director on the phone, it is that's my stuff right there. Nothing beats that for me. Nothing beats that. Do you remember your first directed session? I don't know if I remember mine, but I'm, I'm curious if you do. And, and, you know, for those people who are listening who maybe haven't done one or have only done a few, you know, what, what kind of advice do you have to, to remain calm? Because even now sometimes, it, depending on what the project is or who it's for, or if it's a new client, sometimes, like, I still get nervous for just getting on the phone with a bunch of new people and you never know what's going to happen. I mean, I was nervous before getting on with you today. Well, same. That's true. Nerves are legit, and they're at the yeah. My first directed session was actually out. It wasn't even in the home studio. It was out in the wild. I had to go into the city, into New York, into a legit studio. I don't know. Whatever you can do to be prepared, do it. I was lucky enough to get the copy the night before, and I put on that actor hat and studied that copy like it was nothing. So when I got in there, I was good to go. Um, whatever you have to do to prepare yourself, man. If you could check off 
everything on that checklist 10, 15, 20 minutes before the session actually begins, you will be so much better off because I cannot tell you how many sessions I have had where two minutes to go, one minute to go, 30 seconds to go, I'm still scrambling. And so I, I enter the space not grounded. And so now I've got to take five to 10 minutes of their time, which they might not even notice, but I, I know in my soul, I'm taking five to 10 minutes of their time getting grounded. So whatever it is for you, if it means, you know, knocking out a minute of meditation, if it means sitting with that copy, whatever it means to you, get grounded before you hit connect. I think that's even really doubly important now that we're in our houses for every session. You know, your dog is barking, your neighbors are loud or whatever, the computer's frozen, and there's all these extra things that if you were just walking into a booth or, you know, a studio, you wouldn't necessarily have to worry about. And now, you know, life is surrounding you. And then all of a sudden you have to close the door and say like, Hi, how are you today? Yes, hello. Oh, yes, we're all connected and everything's working great. Once upon a time, doing uh, weekly spots for a grocery brand, I had to knock out 24 spots in one session, and I had the worst flu, which later turned into pneumonia, that I've ever had in my life. Oh, no. So, yeah, you saying, you know, there's life happening all around you, and then you got to close that door and be on at the snap of a finger. It's, it's so true. But the other thing is, I think I am guilty of this now. I know I was guilty of it back then. And I'm sure especially newcomers are guilty of it when it comes to home sessions. The person on the other end of the line is just as human as you are. And everything goes so much smoother once you acknowledge that that person is human. Like, yes, no one wants a dog to bark while you're knocking out that 30-second uh, spot. But if it happens, it's going to be okay. Like 90% of clients you work with understand and are going to be cool. That is such a valuable piece of information, a valuable piece of advice. Prior to the pandemic, I worked a lot from my home studio, but that was sort of not the norm for some people that I was connecting to. They were in their offices. So I did feel really bad if I had to be like, oh, I'm sorry, hold on one second. There's a plane going by. And now, you know, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody was upside down. Nobody knew, like, what was happening, what was going on. And, you know, I would feel bad, like, oh, my gosh, like, what if, my, you know, my daughter's home now? She's three and a half. She's a very loud person, even though she's little. And, you know, like, oh, what if she can't, what if my husband can't keep her quiet or they can't go outside? And I was stressed, stressed, stressed. And then, like, one of the very first sessions I did during COVID, the guy was like, I'm sorry, hold on, my baby's crying. And I was like, oh. Right. Everyone is home with their home life now, and it's okay. Mm -hmm. If I hear a dog bark on the other end of the line while I'm giving a read, I get so much more comfortable. <laughs> like that, that is, to me, the definition of we're all in this together. Yeah. How many times have you said we're all in this together um, during this time? <laughs> not as many times on the mic as times to my wife making fun of the fact that all the copy is we're all in this together type of copy and if she hears me say we're all in this together one more time she's gonna kill me <laughs> yeah i feel like we went through a, a real uh change of how the scripts were written and definitely from like march through may even the summer it was like we're all in this together was really the point that everyone wanted to drive home the COVID read is an experience. It's something that uh, 
All VO actors of the summer of 2020, we all have it. We all have that. That's our, that's our thing. That's our thing. The COVID read. It will be a tie that binds us forevermore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. May we never have to use it again. Fingers crossed. So I wanted to circle back to uh, your improv training because improv is a big buzzword in the voiceover industry. And I'm so curious uh, kind of what your thoughts are on improv training to begin with and why it's valuable and kind of what you get out of it and what you bring from it to voiceover. The best theater I've ever done on stage has taken place when another actor or myself have forgotten a line, stepped on a cue, messed up a scene here, didn't end up there, something went wrong, mm-hmm. right? To me, that's the best theater is when stuff goes wrong. It's certainly my favorite. <laughs> I love when stuff goes wrong. And I love, I love being on stage when stuff goes wrong. Yeah, you seem like the type that would not be frightened of that. No, because it's so, like, it's so fun to me. And I know it's not for everybody, but it is so fun for me to have to, as a team, figure out, like, the goal is to go from A to C. Somehow we ended up at E. How are we going to get back to C? And we got to all do it together, and we only have this limited amount of time. How are we going to do it? And it's unspoken. And I live for it. In terms of the booth, I feel like I am at my truest self on stage in those moments. And I am doing my truest acting behind the mic when I am able to kind of replicate that unpredictability through the copy. And that's where the improv comes in. I love that. So many specs nowadays are... Nothing slick, nothing polished, nothing announcery. And I think that really hits on the essence of what that is, is, is the unpredictability of, I don't sound like an announcer right now because I have no idea what I'm going to say next. I have no idea what you're going to say next. And we're just thinking as we go. I think we all kind of fall into the trap of reading the words on the page because they're there and written out for us. And I think that's such a, I'm going write, to write that down and put it in the booth, you know, just... Mm-hmm. To think of it as like an improv moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, for me, when it happens, it's like, it's gold. It is gold. It's gold. And I can, you can hear it. You can hear it. I can hear it when I listen back to my, my uh, auditions. How many takes do you typically do for an audition if you're by <laughs> yourself and no director, no nothing? <laughs> Loaded question. Ooh. Well, well. Honestly, good good piece of copy that I'm vibing with, maybe two, three takes. I'm like, boom, got it. If I can't connect or if I get way too in my head or if I'm getting too hung up on technicalities, oh, you should have gone up there, oh, I learned a little vocal fry there. Man, we could, I've probably deleted like upwards of 15, 20 takes before. Ooh. On a 30-second audition. Ooh. I mean, it can get bad. I, yeah. can, I can get bad in my head. So how do you snap out of it? Because I have been there. <sighs> Who says I have snapped out of it? Ooh. I mean, it's a work in progress. Yeah. This thing this thing in my booth right here, this, this vessel right here, is a work in progress. And 
I don't think I'd be telling you the truth right now if I was like, oh, I figured that out, you know, a year and a half ago. I do this. I do that. Nah, it varies from copy to copy, audition to audition, for real. Yeah. Those pieces of copy that you get that you really connect with, and it doesn't even have to be, for me, it doesn't even have to be the obvious connection. Sometimes it's just like the little way that it's written. I'm like, well, that actually feels like I would say that. Mm -hmm. It's so true. That's the one that it goes one, two, three takes. I'm like, you know what? Something's in there. I'm going to go out and listen. Yeah. Are there times where you just feel like this is a lost cause and you just don't end up sending the audition? Um, yes to lost cause, but I very rarely don't send the audition if I'm already cooking it up in the booth. And I don't know if that's the right move to make. Hmm. However, I know there have been times when I have sent sent in a take where I was like, and then I booked it. So it's just like, it's, it's not you, it's me. It's really, it's me in my own head being way too difficult on myself. Yeah, I think that is a work in progress. I started doing this almost 10 years ago and I've done so much of my career from home and Mm -hmm. it never gets easier in some ways. And in some ways it does, but in some ways it's always, there's always a little something in the back of your head, like one more time, maybe you should do it one more time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, what a, oh, sorry. Any uh, prospective VOs who are listening, it never gets easier, guys. (laughs) It does. It does get easier. (laughs) But there is still there's always a little something without having another human being there. I mean, if I was recording an audition with you, we'd be done in five seconds because absolutely a 30 second spot. You know what Mm -hmm, I mean? But mm -hmm. if we were recording auditions, that's what we should do. (laughs) Everyone should pair up with an audition buddy. Everyone. And you should get on and say, like, from two to three, mm-hmm. we're going to record auditions together. I'm going to tell you, yes, no, maybe. Yep. And then we'll save each other so much time. So much time. So much time. My goodness, the amount of time on some of these things that I've booked that I've put into the audition process. And then I get into the into the actual session with the actual client. And it's like five, ten minutes later. We're good. And I'm like, oh. I was doing way too much back here <laughs> yeah. before, before getting in front of you. And isn't it also funny when you, when you nail the audition, when you nail those specs, and then you get in the booth and they're like, actually, can you make it like a little bit peppier? And you're like, sure, absolutely. I love peppy. And then they're like, yeah, actually, it's a, you know, we need it a little bit more exciting. Like, like you've had 10 cups of coffee and you're like, mm-hmm. we have gone so far from the original specs to this point. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And the the worst is when um, I, I drop that audition. It's all conversational. It's, oh, yeah, it's everything. I'm like, oh, that's that's good. That's good. That's real. That's real. And then you get in, and the direction they give you is, like, three takes later, you are 100% announcery, 100% stereotypical voiceover announcer. And they say, perfect. That's what we were looking for from the beginning. And it's just, like, your head just twists in on itself. <laughs> You're like, what, what, what is voiceover? What is good? What is bad? <laughs> but I mean, it's so, it's so, it's also subjective. And that's the other thing. Yeah. Your version of conversational and mine is probably totally different. Totally different. Totally different. And that's something I've learned like back in the day. Oh my gosh, I hated auditioning. And I've just learned to like, not love just yet, but like auditioning and the process of auditioning for myself, not for the client. Because I have no idea 
what the client is going to like and choose in the end. All I can do is be truest to myself when I hit, when I submit. And working towards that is like, that's, that's, that's my goal. That's my goal. Yeah. And then being able to let it go, I think, especially in the beginning of, of one's voiceover career, you can get especially tied up in the results or lack of results. And, um, and I think this is a good reminder that you just kind of have to let it go, let it go, like Elsa says. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to um, do the pay to plays and I would do my auditions and, you know, uh, three, four times a week. I'm going back and checking. Did they listen? Did they hit the like button? And now today it's like I'll audition at five. I'll leave the booth at 530. My wife will say, oh, what'd you audition for? And I'll go, I don't remember. And I legitimately do not remember. Like it is gone out of my head the second I step out of this booth. You drive yourself crazy. You drive yourself crazy analyzing every audition and uh, seeing who listened to what and which got liked and how this do and how that do. No, just do it truest to yourself. Submit it. Get out. Go be a person. For real. And I think that's kind of what they're looking for when they say conversational. Sometimes I think it is just like your version of that because nobody is going to do exactly what you're going to do. So it's just that vibe that they listen. They're like that one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, everybody tells you in the beginning, they're like, oh, it's going to take you years to find your voice. And that's that's very true. Like, I'm still working towards my voice. Yeah. Are there genres that you haven't done, but you're really interested in doing? I am um, starting to cook in my brain over getting into promo and maybe a little animation and video game. But I'd say promo is the main genre. I'm like, I want to do this next. I think you have a sound for it. Thank you. That's my unsolicited, (laughs) not expert opinion. (laughs) Thank you. I'm hired. So I want to finish with your favorite piece of advice that you would give someone who's just starting out or a favorite piece of advice that you got when you were starting out. Sure. I would say to that person just starting out who just was like, oh, Zippy, that's an interesting name. Let me click on that. I would say to you, listener, dear listener, the voiceover community is, it's very tight knit, but it's also extremely, and like I cannot emphasize this enough, it's so, so giving. Not only is there a ton of information out there already on the internet at your fingertips, but VOs are, I don't know, maybe it's just because we love to hear ourselves talk, but (laughs) VOs are so, so down to give advice. So, so down to help. If you are serious about this, if this is really what you want to do, if you have done just a little bit of research on your own to, you know, get those training wheels on, man, VOs are so giving. I I have gone to the top of the top VO talent, just like on a whim, like, oh, will you? And they respond and they're open. They're like, oh, here, do this, do that, do this, do that. It's just such a supportive community of people. So don't be afraid to ask that question you have. And yes, there are some of us, we are jaded. And there are some questions that we get all the time. And we might roll the eyes and might tell you, have you ever used Google before? But for real, for real, this community is so giving and so loving and so supportive. So I guess the advice would be, if you have the question, don't be afraid to ask the question. Don't be afraid to reach out. And that's part of the reason I started this podcast is I was getting some of those questions over and over again. And I thought, you know what? 
I bet I'm not the only one, and I bet I could, you know, fill a void and and be of service to uh, to some people who are either looking to get into the industry or shift around within the industry. And so, yeah, I totally agree. The community is really, really wonderful. And listeners, if you have a question and you want to reach out to me directly, please do. I'm always happy to answer. Well, I won't keep you from your chocolate-covered Oreos. This has been quite a delight. So thank you so much for your time today. And we will catch up with you soon. Okay, bye! I had such a blast talking to Zippy and learning about his voiceover journey. Funny how losing what he thought was his dream job led him to his actual dream job. And what he said about being prepared for sessions and remembering that the people on the other end are human too was just so spot on. If you'd like to learn more about Zippy, I'm linking his website and socials in the show notes, which you can find at my website, www.stephaniepamroberts.com podcast. And to stay updated about future episodes, please follow me over on Instagram at stephaniepamrobertsvo. I can't believe this is the fifth episode already. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review and subscribe and share it with a friend who might also be on their voiceover journey. Thank you so much for listening, and here's a little teaser of next week's episode. Boys are gross. If if you're trying to do little boy voices, um, you just want to really think gross. That's next week on Making It to the Mic.